Texas is facing a massive teacher shortage. The combination of reinventing how students learn during the pandemic and low pay has pushed some teachers to quit before the school year is even over. Governor Greg Abbott recently announced a new task force to tackle the teacher shortage. But is that enough? Today, we've got a report from the front lines. I'm talking with Gabby Diaz, a teacher at Beller High School. It's Tuesday, April 26, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Gabby, thanks so much for talking with us. What have the last couple of years of teaching been like for you? I've been teaching for 16 years, and without question, without a doubt, uh, the last two have been the most challenging. So um, a little over two years ago, you know, we all went to spring break and then we just never came back. And, um, you know, at first we thought, oh, it'll be a few days. It'll 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 be a week. Right. right this virus thing. Um, and no, instead, yeah. we were asked uh, to reinvent education, which I think most of us did to the best of our abilities. So I think for for everybody, there was kind of an adjustment period of how do I use this technology to reach my students? How do I mute people, unmute people? Am I muted? <laughs> um, but then it, right. it really was this brain trip of how do I take my classroom and transfer it through a screen? How do I help students that don't have access to a computer, to Wi-Fi? Um, but the benefit of that year was that we did have those relationships. We knew the kid that was easily distracted and we knew the kid that was going to be with us. But that following year, I mean, last year, most of us thought this will be the hardest year. This is the hardest year I've ever been here. I'm having to do my entire course online. Some teachers were hybrid. Um, I think there were a few people that went completely back to every kid is in front of me. Um, so we really just continued reinventing the wheel. So what is it like now, this year? This year just brought a whole new batch of challenges. Um, you know, I've probably had altogether 10, 12 students that uh, could not adjust to coming back. Um, some students were very open and, you know, confessed, you know, I, I attempted suicide this year. I've been engaging in self-harm. Um, but a lot of kiddos that found that they needed to go back to online, they were overwhelmed. Uh, we've always had issues with kiddos with anxiety and depression, but the pandemic exacerbated that. And um, it was tough. One of my daughters, her best friend's mom is a first grade teacher. And she said, these kids have never sat in a classroom. They don't know how to ask to go to the oh. restroom. They don't know, um, you know, if I stop talking, I lose their attention. Are older kids falling behind too? As a parent, I, I opted not to have my sixth grader last year take the STAR exam because I knew what that exam was gonna show me, that she didn't learn as well as she would have with a teacher in front of her. Um, so we've tried to, you know, catch up on the learning gaps, but I think most of what we've been doing is just helping kids get used to being in school again. Are you surprised that so many teachers are leaving the profession or that Texas has a teacher shortage? I, I am not. And um, I, I'm taking next year out of the classroom, um, oh, uh -huh. which is 
terrifying for me. I've been a teacher, you know, since I was a fresh little pup out of college since 2006. Uh-huh. I've been in front of kiddos, but um, right. I have two daughters with my first. I didn't need to take maternity leave because she was very cooperative by being born in June. So <laughs> I could, you know, take my weeks right. and, and be just fine. But with my second daughter, uh, it was such a struggle. She was born in October. Um, my classroom was falling apart without me. And um, the substitute was struggling, kind of following my lesson plans. So I only took four weeks off with Valentina. Um, part of it because the classroom was falling apart, but part of it was because we do not have paid maternity leave. And I, oh. I think that, oh, no, yeah, teachers don't do not get a penny. Wow. So it's not only that I'm not getting a paycheck, but I have to pay my health insurance out of pocket. And, oh. you know, and a lot of people think like, oh, well, you should just save. Uh, it's hard to save as an educator. Um, so because of the financial strain and the stress that like trying to breastfeed a baby and then like keep my class going, I couldn't do it. And I came back after four weeks and I regret it. That's time I'll never get back. And so I'm, I'm taking next year off for a million reasons. Um, part of it, you know, I had a friend who said, you know, Gabby, it's, um, maybe as a teacher, I, I honestly kind of want a break from education. Um, Mm. and a, a good friend of mine from my mom's domain action group said, you know, this is almost a form of protest and, I am. I'm very much, I want to protest against the Texas leaders who have done everything to drive us away. Not my own uh, principal, not my own assistant principal. They are angels from heaven here at Bel Air High School. Um, but when I put everything on a scale and including my mental health, I realized that I would not be a great educator next year, but I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm morally exhausted. I'm physically exhausted. And, uh, and I'm outraged, frankly, at how teachers have been treated. So could you talk about that? How are teachers being treated in Texas right now? What's going on? So we went from being heroes to being indoctrinators and pornographers. And I'm not exaggerating in the words that Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and Governor Greg Abbott have been using. I feel mm-hmm. hurt. It's demoralizing. It's insulting. We're professionals with college degrees, some of us with decades of experience. So to hear those words for political gain, for a political game, because that's what it is, right. it's, it's an endless game, is infuriating. It's infuriating. Yeah. Have you seen a change in students' attitudes or parents' attitudes because of the rhetoric around teaching? Like, are you getting questions about critical race theory in English class? I have not, but I'm very aware that I'm at Bel Air High School. I know where in the city of Houston it is. We are one of the most international schools. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really don't because teachers communicate with parents. We send home a syllabus at the beginning of the year. Um, I think it's a a soundbite that's getting traction in some parts of the country. But uh, I think if we really get down to the message, 
it's inherently un-American. I mean, when I heard that Governor DeSantis was talking about putting cameras in teachers' classrooms, I have a colleague who taught in China, <laughs> and she said, Gabby, that's what they do in China. Like, this is outrageous to think about. So uh, Governor Greg Abbott has a task force to study why it is that we're short on teachers and what can be done. If you were on that task force, what would you be advising? Um, I, I frankly wouldn't be on the task force because his task forces have been a waste of time. We've had mm -hmm. countless uh, mass school shootings in Texas and uh, those task forces led to nothing. Nothing's changed. Uh, when the task force was first announced, they had a grand total of two teachers out of the 28 people that they selected. And only one of those two teachers had actively been in a classroom the last two years. I... So that was insulting. And an educator that was outraged uh, did the work. She made a little spreadsheet and typed up who is on this committee. How many years, if any, have they spent in the classroom? And how many years has it been since they've been in the classroom? Because if you taught 20 years ago, it's a very different world. Um, so after that little table came out and became kind of widely uh, shared by teachers, all of a sudden, magically, mm -hmm. they started adding more educators. Um, but no, all, all joking aside, I do think it's a good idea that our leaders actually listen to teachers. Okay, so as a teacher, if you could send a message to that task force, what would you say? I, I would tell that task force that we have continuously, since 2011, um, I worked for Humble Independent School District in 2011. Uh, the Texas legislature butchered district budgets, and it meant things like um, teachers lost a conference period. And I think what maybe Texans don't realize is, as an English teacher, when I lose a conference period, I am losing five hours a week of planning during the hours that I'm supposed to be getting paid. And if I have 180 students and I give each of those students, you know, 10 minutes per essay, it is hours upon hours upon hours of grading. And most of that is happening from time that I'm stealing from my family. Ouch. So I think I would make our lawmakers aware of the small decisions they make, a cut here, a cut there, have huge huge repercussions in our classroom. But I would also talk to them about, about things like maternity leave. You know, every little baby that's born here in the medical center, they end up in our classrooms. We teachers get everybody's babies. But then when we have our own babies, we don't have support. They'll hold our jobs for 12 weeks. Um, but I think, frankly, the most important thing I would address with them is their rhetoric. How come? We saw a man drive from Dallas to El Paso to kill our fellow Texans because the president of the United States talked about an invasion. And I think that when you talk about teachers as pornographers and groomers, we are absolutely emboldening people that have easy access to military grade weapons. And I fear for teachers. Schools are already a target of terrorism. And 
it's not an exaggeration to say they're putting our lives on the line when they continuously use that rhetoric. So it is insulting to me that we put our health and our family's health, we put our lives on the line to restart the economy so people could go back to work, so kids would be okay and in a safe place getting a fresh meal at school. So to have those sorts of insults thrown our way is unforgivable and they do not deserve to be reelected. All right. Thank you so much for talking with us. Absolutely. Thank you for talking about this issue because I, I do, I pray for teachers right now. It's been the longest years of our lives. I mean, this academic year just doesn't seem to want to end, but we are in the home stretch. Um, and I think we're all yeah. looking forward to that summer vacation. <laughs> that was teacher Gabby Diaz. You can find a link to her recent op-ed in the Houston Chronicle in our show notes. All right. Here is producer Farrell Gibbs with more news from around Houston. Thank you, Lisa. Newly established Texan Elon Musk acquired Twitter yesterday after weeks of speculation, including when the company announced he would become a board member and then he didn't become a board member when he turned it down a few days later. But yesterday, Twitter and Musk agreed to terms. Now, the deal still needs to be closed, but he offered Twitter $54.20 per share, which makes Twitter worth about $43 billion. A lot of speculation exploded immediately, particularly on Twitter, about what Musk's motivations might be as he takes the company private. Among those concerns, what changes he might consider making pertaining to previous comments he has made about free speech on Twitter. He has stated before that Twitter moderators censor too much. And also the Trump question looms. Will he or will he not reinstate the former president's account? That is it for today here on CityCast Houston. If you enjoyed this show, would you please tell three friends? It really helps us. We will be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk with you then. Gabby, I didn't know you're pregnant. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited and terrified all at once. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>